Steve Mathis production. Check it out, Pulp MX fans. We're proud to announce iPhone users can now get the official Pulp MX app from the App Store and have archives, show drops and technical info, stories, and even exclusive bonus Pulpcasts not available anywhere else. As always, use the Mathis code at btosports.com, and when buying from Amazon, click the banner on pulpmx.com to show your support. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOsports.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX Podcast Show. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Mathis, as usual. With me on the line is an interesting, exciting guy that uh, I haven't seen that much of lately, but whenever I do, it's always good times, and that would be none other than uh, Regis Harrington. Regis, what's going on, man? What's happening, Mathis? How are you, buddy? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. And uh, people may not, people may be going, who's Regis Harrington? I do know an Andy Harrington who used to race Supercross. So that's you. Yeah, You're all Andy. one and the same. You're Andy and Regis. Uh, Are you on the run I'm, from somebody? Or No, no. <laughs> no, it's an interesting story, actually. I'm a, I'm Regis Andrew Harrington III. I don't even know if you knew that. I I'm, did. I'm nope. Yep. Royalty. Anyways, uh, now, uh, growing up, I just hated the Regis going into school and teachers and kids and an oh, awkward name. And so my mom and my family and everybody called me Andy, my middle name. Uh-huh. So, uh starting racing it was always Andy and then uh to tell you the truth I didn't even I didn't even I personally didn't make the switch to Regis uh uh what happened a, a kid in high school uh actually who went on to play for the Padres Marcus Giles and Atlanta Braves uh we went to high school we had like four classes together and the first day of school the teacher kept yeah, every he, other teacher and he's got a brother him is, he's got a brother who played baseball too yeah a brother yeah Brian yeah. He, that's that's a the Al Cajon Freaking alumni family, okay. the Giles family. Giles. Anyways, uh, every other class, we were in the same classes for whatever reason, and every teacher would call me Regis, and I'd correct him and tell him it was Andy. So he finally grabbed me and said, why is Regis? And he started calling me Reg. And then uh, a couple years later, I was at a Supercross, and he was calling me Reg, and everyone was like, what is this? And it just spread all on its own. Like, mm-hmm. And I just was Reg, Regis. And yeah. yeah, I mean, so, it's your name. Live it. Yeah, yeah. So now it's just funny. Everybody, a lot of people think it's just a nickname, but it's actually my first name, and mm-hmm. yeah. and it's uh, yeah. Even when you were go- to... even when you're going by Andy, all your driver's license said Regis, all your credit card said Regis, and all that stuff. Yeah, right. absolutely. Well, hey, so uh, now I... um, you raced professionally for how long? I rode professionally from '97 and then up to Salt Lake City in '01. Oh, that was that was a farewell race. I didn't I didn't realize that. Um, yep. Along the way, uh, had some great rides, had some good things going on. Uh, Factory KTM, we were teammates one year. What a glorious year that was. Although you were hurt, and we'll get to that. You were hurt a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll get to that. But uh, for nowadays, I guess I saw you in New Orleans, and it, 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 as soon as I saw you, I was like, "Hey, it's Regis." And then I'm like, "What's he doing in New Orleans?" Oh yeah, he lives out here. Like it was all that quick, but uh, I guess talk about what you're doing now. Yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. Uh, you know, through racing, I kind of got introduced into doing stunt work in movies and um, and TV, 
And uh, just the way things are now, uh, Louisiana is offering a huge tax incentive for these production companies and, and, and you know, uh, these big movies and feature films to be, to be made here. So um, they're actually getting a tax credit to have it done here. So um, it's weird. you got to hire to get the tax credit, you got to hire local talent. So I, uh, to give myself a really fair chance at making it in stunts mm-hmm. and, um, and, and making a good name for myself, we packed up and moved to good old Baton Rouge and, and, uh, I'm just hitting the stunts full time. I've out here now. How long you been out there for? Uh, just over a year now. Wow. In about a year and a month. Yep. It's, it's crazy because I mean, Dave Castile, Rich Taylor of mutual friends of ours. And I mean, I think they kind of got you into it a little bit as well back in the day. I mean, you're born and bred at El Cajon Zone, California. That's a big step. Even, I mean, and also, too, like we spoke about, it's not like you're working 52 weeks a year. Like, you're not guaranteed of anything, but you rolled the dice to go to Baton Rouge, and, and, and it's it's a big step, huh? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, when I quit racing, um, I was kind of over getting hurt and riding dirt bikes and trying to struggle to make money and I, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna start a, I'm gonna start my family and I'm gonna have a normal job and I'm just gonna go to work eight to five and that yeah. lasted like five years and then I got really, really sick of <laughs> you that. You were working <laughs> at a Carter, Carter Auto Body Collision Center in, in, in El Cajon, huh? Yep, in yep. Santee actually, Santee. right bordering El Cajon. Uh, Greg Carter has a store out there and, and uh we were just riding one day and telling him the struggles of a guy working in the moto industry after racing and he's like come work for me so uh-huh. i went work for him and man that was an awesome time of my life he, he's a great dude right yeah he is he is a good dude i don't know him that well but uh i did hang out with him back in the ktm days so um so basically how busy are you how, how many movies get filmed there i mean how is this is this gamble worth it is it going well for you yeah it's going unbelievably well for me um I came out here and started kind of hit the ground running. Um, you know, I've always been known as a motorcycle guy, obviously, coming from motocross or supercross. And uh, I want to do everything. I want to drive. I want to do the fights. I want to do the falls. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be I want to be your, your regular stuntman. And uh, just I, I've done nothing but that since I got here. It's, it's just been great. Um, I moved out. And see, the, the the big thing is all the guys from L.A. They still run the shows out here. It's not like uh-huh. like the head the heads of the departments are still the heads of Hollywood department. Like yeah. you know, the coordinators and all that are they're still the same guys. So yeah. um, I'm getting to meet the right people, and my name's getting through the industry. And from that, I'm I'm getting hired a lot. I mean, I've been in New Orleans or Louisiana for a year, but mm-hmm. I worked six months out of the city or yeah. out of state last year. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it was Which, crazy. Which, I mean, at some point, if it becomes viable enough, you'll be like, I don't need to be in Baton Rouge anymore, I guess, right? I guess it comes to that where you're like, you know, I don't need this this locals, hiring locals tax break thing anymore. I'm now big time. Right. That's the idea, I guess. Right, right. And, um, you know, the stunt industry is just really hard to get into. It's, it's a tight-knit group of people that work all the time. And so I just came here to, you know, to get my chances to prove myself and mm-hmm. – yeah, like you said, I, it's going to come to a point where I don't necessarily have to be here, so right. the, I'll have that option. Another thing for you, like, uh, I don't know if people remember Andy Harrington when he was racing. You're a smaller stature guy, let's say. Um, you know, you're not going to be doubling for Schwarzenegger anytime soon. Nope. <laughs> but, 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 but here's the advantage, though, and, and, you know, Castillo and Rich Taylor have both told me that, who've done a lot of things, 
is you can double for chicks. Yep. I well, I thankfully have. I haven't had to in the last year. But uh, <laughs> right. my my first my first ten or eight shows, something like that, were right. all women. I mean, the one eight hundred collect commercial for Eva Save a Lot that was me. Alyssa, Alyssa Milano. Charlie's yeah. Alyssa Milano. Yeah. Uh, Charlie's Angels were Drew. Uh, not Drew, but uh, Cameron Diaz rides. That's me. Mm-hmm. Like I rode in Transformers too. The girl riding the street bike, that's me. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, <laughs> yep. that's how I really got my start. Uh, Priest, I did a bunch of riding in that. that Supercross? Supercross. Supercross, yeah. <laughs> yep. Was Supercross, so, been oh, your, was, that, was that one of your first things, Supercross, the movie? No, that was like my fourth thing. Oh, and okay. I was actually, I was actually supposed to be a guy in that one. Uh, my, I'm so bummed still. Uh, <laughs> I was supposed to ride the Vegas Supercross for that. Uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but Rich Taylor missed the main by like one. Yep. Steel came out of retirement. He rode. He was one of the guys on no, the team. Not, Nami bike. I don't, I don't mean Supercross the movie. I'm talking about the one with the chick. And it pretends she's she's a dude. Oh, that's motocross in. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Disney. That yeah. one was one of your first ones. That was my very very first one. That's and a, there's actually a, there's a funny story that goes with that. Because, okay. Uh, and we'll get to Supercross the movie after that. But tell talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Um. I was factory KTM rider, and I was down and out. Uh, just gave my bike back to sell, back to KTM, and I went to the Motor World there, and there was a sign in the door that said, "For eighty bucks a day, come to uh, come to Barona Oaks, my home track, and right. you know, and be in a movie." So me and the dogger, we went. I took dogger from Maxima. You did? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was over. The dogger was so rad. He rode with me one day. We went there, and we didn't realize what was going on. We we ended up just being extras, yeah. and we didn't know. We thought we were going to get the ride. Uh-huh. So we get we get there, and Rich Taylor and Castillo and Stanton Barrett, David Barrett, Oakley Layman, like all the moto guys in the, in the stunt industry are there, and they're like, yeah, Reed, you're, you're in. You're in the show. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm here. You guys are here. <laughs> And then uh, we went over to eat, and there's, like, two lines. There's, like, the extras line, and uh-huh. then there's, like, the cast and crew line, where you, the, the have and the have not. Right, right, right. And me, me and Dogger went to eat with everyone, and our boss came over. and was like, you can't eat with these guys. We have to eat over here, like the white rice and porridge. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you're what? like, but we know these guys. It's the Dogger. <laughs> yeah. And so we got, like, uh, we had to, like, push our bikes in the background and sit in the back of the truck and while, uh-huh. while the actors did all their dialogue. Uh, okay, I really thought that you did more in that movie, to be honest. I thought you no. were part of that. No, I did. Like, oh. after the first day, they okay. had riding at lunch. Like, And so we all wanted to go ride, and me and Dogger were told we couldn't because we were extras. We weren't stunt guys. But uh, Barrett came over, and we ended up ultimately getting to ride, and right away I was small, and I was by far the fastest guy there. I mean, I was just out of my KTM right. ride, and my home track, I knew every rock on the track, and, yeah. you know, it was just all the stars were aligned, and, the producer and the director came over and was like, hey, how would you like to be in the Screen Actors Guild, be a stuntman, your pay goes from 80 bucks to $600 a day, and I was like, <laughs> You're like, what, what I? <laughs> yep, and uh, they took me over to the wardrobe trailer, and I came out a girl, and I was just pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Very excited to transform. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, uh, that, that, that's, uh, yeah, so that's where kind of where you got your start. And, and for people who don't know, I mean, I've done these things with Castillo, and I've done them talk to rich about it um it's it's well-paying work the stunt work is but it's also like not easy kind of hard uh like you had to crash a bunch of times for, for supercross the movie and there's a lot of stunts you got to pull off that that we all think would be pretty awesome but it's a little pressure on you right 
Oh, yeah. Well, I get more pressure on me now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like, uh, even some moto guys, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, like, uh, even Ping. Ping ended up doing Supercross. Yeah. Ping Greece did Supercross the movie, and they, they took, oh, yeah. like, a, he, to, had a, get to he had a crash over. You were supposed to race or something in Vegas Supercross. Get to that story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, later on. I got I was supposed to do the Vegas Supercross, and I got hurt again trying to get ready for that. I was practicing Supercross and got knocked out and dislocated <laughs> my shoulder, so. Right. Pingree ended up doing that spot and racing, which mm-hmm. was probably better. I didn't I didn't need to be out on the Supercross on a 450 anyways. That yeah. was a dumb idea to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, so Pingree ended up doing that spot. But I talked to Ping all the time about stunt work, and he's like, man, they put boxes. They just do. They they build boxes. They don't tape them. They just fold them you know, and build them. And they took out, like, the third jump of the triple, and they told him, okay, you got to crash. And he's like, really? Like, he, like when you get – put on the spot to actually do something it gets pretty nerve-wracking yeah i mean and also like you know none of us are born none of us our bodies don't tell us to crash you know um but now i think castillo told me like you're a very good crasher (laughs) i think maybe on the charlie's angels set or something something you're very good at it you're (laughs) congratulations on that yeah i've uh i've done pretty well (laughs) with my crashes i always seem to overdo it like Uh they'll say hey just come in and hit this and flip over here and I'll come in and start to crash too early, and then whiskey right. throttle, and just grenade myself and get up, and they'll be like, "That was amazing." And I'm like, "Okay, good. Let's not do it again." <laughs> hey, so what? Uh, uh, you mentioned Transformers Two, and of course Supercross. By the way, I'm in Supercross the movie in the opening credits, so we we share some screen time, you and I. Yep. But um, yep. Uh, you, you mentioned you mentioned Supercross the movie and Transformers Two. N- name some of the other movies you've done uh, for people who are listening. Well, um, coming up, uh, this year has been unbelievable. I hooked up with, uh, I, I look a lot alike uh, Giovanni Ribisi, the actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie Contraband that just came out, yep. uh, just hit uh, hit Blu-ray yesterday. I did all the action for him, and uh, I'm, we became kind of, you know, I, would say, I wouldn't say friends, but, I mean, yeah. acquaintance, acquaintances or whatever. So yeah. one, of my a couple really... one of my wife's favorite actors, by the way. She loves that guy. <laughs> it, it was so crazy. I... I told my wife at one point that he was my favorite actor and uh, I got the job and I didn't know who he was. And I told her, I'm like, yeah, I'm doubling Giovanni Rabisi. And she's like, Oh my God. Right. Right. And you're like, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. But uh, there's a couple movies coming out. Like I did last year that I'm really excited that haven't come out yet. Uh, mm-hmm. One's going to be called Ted and that's with Mark Wahlberg. And anybody wants to look online, they can see the trailer. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. It was written by Seth MacFarlane. Oh, that's the teddy bear guy. one. That's the teddy bear one. Yeah, the teddy bear one. It's like a really hard rated R yeah, like, comedy about the teddy bear that cusses. And, but uh, Giovanni's in that one as well. He's not in the trailer or nothing, but he plays a bad guy in that one. I got to do a lot of work, and it was the coolest place ever. I, I actually worked at Fenway Park for a week. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, I climbed the. Uh, I climb. I had to climb the light pole above the green monster probably like fifty times wow, for the show. Really? Yeah. So I was. I was like. I'd say, uh, you know, 175, 200 feet above the ground, mm-hmm. above the green monster. The helicopter was, like, coming around. I'm chasing that teddy bear up a light pole. So it was really cool. <laughs> and, uh, and, and of course, Batman coming out. Yeah. I, uh, that's a, there's just a lot of guys on that one, too. Castillo and I, last six months, me and Castillo pretty much lived together. We did, a, we did Batman, and then we went over, and we just got back from Manila. We were in the Philippines doing the new Bourne movie, the Bourne Legacy with mm-hmm. – uh, Jeremy Renner. 
Jeremy Renner, yes. Yeah. Um, now, so it sounds like, how much percentage are you doing motorcycle stunts anymore? Are you doing much? Or is, like, you know, like Rich and Dave definitely are called more for motorcycle stuff and everybody kind of knows them and stuff. But it sounds like you're really just moving on, leaving that behind a little bit. Is that true? Or like, are you still kind of a motorcycle guy or are you just trying to get break that away so you can do everything? Well, I'm really trying to build a name for myself that, you know, that will do everything. But um, I'm still known as a motorcycle guy for sure. Like right. Batman and, and Bourne, you know, some of these big movies mm -hmm. that I've been lucky to get on is really because of motorcycle, motorcycle specific. Yep. But then uh, when I'm there, you know, I'll show interest in doing other things. And like on Batman, I got to do a little bit of driving and mm -hmm. I actually got to fight. And uh, that was one of the funnier couple days on set was having Castillo watch me fight uh, <laughs> Batman. I was a bad guy and you know, I'm just not a fighter. Like yeah. you said, I'm a smaller guy, five foot eight, and I went heads up with Batman on four different times. I just kept coming like the Energizer Bunny. It was right, pretty funny. Right. Uh, and no freakouts by uh, Christian Bale, like we heard his infamous leak of the of the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was actually really cool. But, did you ever, did you ever uh, I hear definitely that? Didn't ever like stare at him in the eye or nothing. <laughs> did you ever hear that the, the lighting guy? And oh, stuff? yeah, it was, it was epic. Yeah, yeah. Um, we all about it on set, and it was just like. I don't know. We we got to rehearse with him a few days, and, mm -hmm. and we actually did the fight with him, and he seemed to be all right. But whenever you're on set like that with those guys, I really try not to, like, you know, I really just try to stay out of sight, out of eye line, really, yeah. you know? It's yeah. kind of... It's it's uh it's crazy. I, I went down and went to two days of that Charlie's Angels movie filming down by Long Beach there. Uh, Nick, yeah. Nick Way was in it. I think I was working for him at the time, and... I, that was my first experience to movie making, and you, you, you can't believe how much effort and work goes into a 15-second scene. It's insane. I tell people that all the time. I was there for eight hours, and it, in the movie, the scene that I was watching one day was 30 seconds long. Yeah. It, we, you know, we ended up being out there for 32 days, I think, like with like Nick and all the writers that mm -hmm. did Charlie's, and... Yeah. That that scene in the movie is what like six minutes long. Yeah. Like, yeah. and we were there for a month doing it. So, it's pretty monotonous. I mean, there's a lot of sitting around in what we do. You know, moving cameras and mm -hmm. whatnot, and yeah. getting everything right. And but then it's crazy because they'll be like, "Okay, ready, go." And it's, you know, you're not warmed up. It's just. Um. And then and then also too, like uh, again, like Rich and and even Jim Hawley has told me. You're not you're riding bikes with that are mounted with, like with with weights and cameras and you know what I mean like it's not always a, a full race CRF 450. You you they give you a BMW they give you a street bike it doesn't really matter. Oh yeah it's it's crazy and Batman we rode BMW F 800s I mean they're like the big like a uh, Paris to the car looking bikes you know kind mm -hmm. of slimmed down and we never know I mean. Uh, you may know the day before or a couple days before, or sometimes yeah. you get there and you just have just a crappy, you know, bike that's been painted flat black or, right, you know, you right. just, you really never know what you're going to have until you're there. So that that part of it, adapting to different bikes is, is pretty crucial. Uh, how did you learn uh, fighting, uh, climbing, uh, getting thrown through windows and all that? D do you get taught that or do you sort of watch guys do it and be like, well, this is what I got to do? Like, how do you learn that kind of stuff? Um, I'm uh, like, in all honesty, I think motocross has given me like 
the most well-rounded skill set. Like I think, like there's a lot of good stuntmen that that come from motocross, and mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with it. I really do. I think the hand-eye coordination, I think uh, putting a car on a certain mark or crashing a bike and making it land in a certain spot. I think just knowing speed, you know, and mm-hmm. going to all the different tracks, going up, doing different jumps, every different length, hitting ruts. You know, I I think that all just kind of kind of crosses over. Um, the fighting stuff, you know, I'm not a fight specialist or not. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. do like really loose choreographed fights mm-hmm. i can't do like martial arts or not you know i just right. look stupid <laughs> we'll leave that to the professionals um right. but like you know like in contraband i got to do a fight with mark Wahlberg, and it, it, it was but it wasn't one of those fights it was like you're counting punches out and everything it was kind of like a it was a brawl basically yeah. like i mean in all honesty he is such a awesome actor he put himself in this place that actually scared me right before they called action like oh, yeah. he was looking at me and i was like dude you're going to kill me like take 10 percent off <laughs> and he was just like ready like right. i made the stupid mistake of telling him like hey let's just do this once because he had to throw me down some stairs yeah and i said hey let's just be men about this and just throw me once let's get it right so we don't have to do it again and he's like he looked at me he's like really and i'm like yeah really and right before they called action i was like okay wait a minute let's <laughs> Talk it out. <laughs> Wait a minute, I don't. But, uh, I didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, and, and basically all the rehearsal right mm-hmm. then just went out the window. As soon yeah. as they called action, it, I seriously was without actually swinging at his face. I was actually trying to stay on my feet and not get my right. butt kicked by him. Right. It was, it was really cool. How, was so, is it um is the stunt community like is it a little bit clickish? Is it a little bit uh, weird to get into? Do people? Like you're taking someone else's job, or you're like, you know what I mean? What's it like as far as uh, all these guys and, and maybe you know this guy coming in like yourself, trying to trying to make a mark? Is it hard? Um, yeah, I mean it, it is really clickish. I mean there's stunt groups, and you know there's friends that look out for friends, and you know, but for them, I haven't dealt with like. Nobody, I don't really, you know, I, I mean, I kind of get it. It's it's the same as, like, racing or being in the pits, you know. Yep, it's just yep. you have your people that you always want to use or, you know, certain coordinators are comfortable using these people because they've obviously done work with them before and have performed well. And uh-huh. So, I mean, it's, it is. I mean, it's hard to get in. You know, I've been approached by a lot of guys that go, hey, I want to be a stuntman. Right. And I just, like, my advice is, like, it's hard. Like, unless you, I got real lucky, you know, and, right. and I think, like, Castillo and you know some of us like that are doing well in it now we we had a, a lucky break to get in with our motorcycle stuff and sounds a you lot know, like, like being a mechanic I get that all the time how do I be a mechanic and I'm just like yeah how do you, you know, I don't really know what to tell you there's no but yeah your heart is into like yeah really like yeah I'm a snowman I, I want to you know right. help this guy but really it's like dude I don't know if I would yeah I don't know if I'd recommend to my best friend like hey you should do this because I don't know what's going to happen or right. you know. Um, and and then of course I was following you and Dave on Twitter, uh, when you guys were in Manila, uh, that was depressing. Um, that, that's tough. That's tough work. You're away from home and it didn't look like a great place to be. No, that one was actually pretty life changing. I mean, I know it sounds kind of cliche or like, you know, you go, you think Mm -hmm. you're, it was so exciting to go. We're going to work on this big high dollar movie and we're going to be in this country and Mm -hmm. it's going to be awesome. And, you know, where we stayed, the hotel was really nice, and, you know, five minutes in any direction was really nice. But once you got outside, it, it was really third-world country. I mean, it was yeah. it was heartbreaking. I mean, we we showed up to set with, 
you know, one, one morning at this fish market, and there was, like, 30 kids that were huddled together on, like, a concrete pad mm-hmm. with, like, no adults, like, any age from, like, I would say from a year old to 13 years old. And, you know, they were the fish market kids. They just took care of themselves. It was like something out of Peter Pan, but it was wow. real life. It, yeah. was, it was crazy. Um, these kids would just make a fire and grab fish from the fish market that, you know, hadn't got picked up and just cook their fish. It was, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It was very surreal. I mean, you know, Dave, Dave had the opportunity to go and, and hang out. I mean, he, it changed him big time too. He got the opportunity to go, uh, to an orphanage and he kind of got hooked on doing that on our days off. He would go and play with the kids and play basketball and, Right. I don't think they ever saw someone so tall and white. And, and <laughs> they're like, don't you? The they're like, Didn't you used to have a private jet? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's not easy. And also, too, as we were talking in New Orleans, you, you know, you told me you're like, hey, I could make a hundred thousand dollars in two months, and then nothing could come by for the next ten months. Like no offers, no jobs. Like it's it's a real. Uh, sort of uncertainty about profession i mean yeah it definitely is i mean right now um you know i know we were joking earlier but i'm i'm unemployed i'm at home right now with yeah. i mean i got some irons in the fire and you know i i feel confident that you know there's some right. stuff starting up and mm-hmm. i'm making a name for myself but if you if you look down on paper right now i'm i'm i don't have a job but <laughs> i've been fortunate <laughs> enough to to be doing well in the past uh you know you right. just got to you got to realize that, you know, you make these big chunks of money and you think, man, I'm rolling. I'm going to go get a boat or, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. I'm going to yeah. go buy Castillo's private jet back or, you know, it's not going to happen. Cause you just don't know, you know, uh, don't know when you're going to work. Hey, what, what are these, what are these actors like? What are these stars like? Are they just kind of like the motocross pits where there's some douchebags and there's some cool guys? Uh, what are they like? I mean, it's incredible amount of money and incredible amount of fame and fortune that these guys do. I mean, you've worked with crews and, you know, uh, Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg, you said Transformers Two with Michael Bay must have been another exciting adventure. Yeah, but, um, Michael it, Bay is known for going crazy, yes. like just screaming and hollering at his crew. So that was another one. Like you know, stuff going into these movies that you just okay, I'm gonna stay away from this guy. Like, yeah, you know, I'm just not gonna let him see me. I'll, I'll position myself to do my job well and go home and not make any noise. You know, right, right. Um, as far as like actors and actresses, like the coolest ones are the big, big name ones. Like yeah. I really haven't ran into any big douchey actors, you know. Um, the ones that are that I, I like get a kick out of or like just leave laughing are like the new guys or the guys that are almost going to be popular, you know, but yeah. they're not. Right. But they think they think that they're an actor. Yeah. So there's like, been a couple like. It's, it's kind What's of fun. It's, well, it's just kind of funny because I can equate it to like, like Jeremy McGrath was always the coolest dude ever, and he didn't right, have to yeah. be. He didn't have to be. Right. He, he could exactly. have been the same yeah. thing. You know. All right. the, I mean. So Tom Cruise and Mark Wahlberg, like, huge stars, but cool guys. Oh man, Wahlberg ended up like, dude. Ah, uh, well, I'm like still like starstruck the first day i when i did that fight with him i i rehearsed with a stunt guy it was my first big movie non-motorcycle it was mm-hmm. the first movie i did when i moved to new orleans it was the first non-motorcycle thing i got to do right. i was shaking in my wardrobe i was so nervous and then my boss his name is darren prescott he's an awesome dude he he looked at me and said hey mark's gonna do this with you and i was like mark mark i'm like i, I haven't met a stunt guy mark like <laughs> there's a mark here and then mark Wahlberg turned around and i was like first i had to overcome my own giddiness of like you right. know like 
it's Dirk Diggler. Like, you know, yeah. I was just like, holy cow, this is Mark Wahlberg. Like, right, right. So but he was, he's actually like, uh, again, I'm not claiming to be his buddy or his friend or anything right. like that. We don't hang, but he, he, he was genuinely really cool. A um, mm-hmm. couple funny things with him was uh, he, you know, he's an athlete. So every day at lunch on that show, he'd be playing football. And I was walking with my, like, walking over to where I changed and stuff. And he'd like, reach. And I looked at him and he threw me like this long bomb. And I, I caught it. But, dude, I'm a motocrosser. I can't throw a football. Like, my right. shoulders don't work. Yeah. So I had to run the ball like three quarters of the way back to him. And then I like, <laughs> I like shot put it to him. And he just started dying laughing. And I was like, dude. I just showed him the scar on my shoulder, and I was like, "Look, I can't throw." A phone. <laughs> it was embarrassing, but it's funny. So. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's cool that you get to do all that, and and but after a while, it just becomes like a job, right? I mean, it's just like me hanging out with um, you know Ryan Villapoto or or any of these dudes, you know, just they're all yeah. human. Yeah, definitely. It's it's just the same same thing. You just you know they're they're normal people, mm-hmm. which is really cool, and they don't act like you know they're bad or. The- I, ha- cool. I had to laugh though that time that I was on Charlie's Angels, like Lucy Lou and the chicks, they had people running yeah. over to them in between takes with umbrellas that just held umbrellas over them, and I'm like, really? They can't even yeah. hang- hold on to their umbrellas. Wow. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, you do see that a lot too. It's, it's. You know, I guess it's just how we. Yeah. Where we are in our lives and where we've come, and it's just like. Yeah, I get that a lot. I just chuckle at it, you know. Yep. But it, what's funnier is when you're not a Lucy Lou and you're not making twenty grand and you're you're, you're demanding that. That's, that's right, the kind right. of guys yeah, I yeah. think are fun. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, let's uh, enough stunt talk. I, I could talk to you for an hour about that, though. I find it really interesting. I'm a big movie guy, so um, you know, going to that Charlie's Angels two set was really cool, and uh, and I'll never forget it. But anyways, uh, uh, let's move on to your career uh, as a professional motocross racer. Now you grow up in El Cajon. Uh, south of San, Di- or San Diego, basically, east of San Diego. And for people who don't know, Al Cajon, Rick Johnson, Ronald Lachine, uh, Mike Craig, Larry Brooks, Brock Glover, um, Scott Burnworth, you name it, Al Cajon was the place back in the day. And you're young enough where you were kind of on the end of it, but you still, growing up, had interactions with all those guys while you were riding, huh? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I knew where all the tracks were, and if I couldn't get my mom or or someone to take me to go ride i'd get my bicycle and you know we'd mm-hmm. go hang out um what? you know as a, as a kid i remember you know uh, spending countless days with craig and brooks and mm-hmm. you know all those guys that that were kind of at the tail end of that um right. i grew up with like our families were really close with like jimmy johnson who is not you know the nascar guy jimmy yeah. um he's not blood related to rick but they're they were really close, so I always got to hang out with Rick and pool parties and barbecues. And Brock Glover got his hair done at my mom's salon. I just, <laughs> you know, as a kid, it was just crazy. It was like, you Brock, know, Brock was, or Carl from Winners Take All. <laughs> More Carl. He'd show up in the vet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, uh, what years would this have been? Like, was were they done racing by then? Was RJ well, done? No, I, I raced Verona Oaks, like that's where all those guys came up out of too. I started yeah. riding there in '82, so but oh, I was real okay, young. Yeah. I was only five or yeah, something yeah. But, then. But no, but in the, so in 1990, when everything's going on, 1989, 90, in the heyday of those guys, you're you are 10 years old, 12 years old, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like 12, right. 11, right around then. Something and, like that. And yeah. So you would hang out with these guys when they were at the top, then at pool parties with RJ, really? 
Yeah, I mean, like, not like every weekend, no, but, yeah. you know, because of families and stuff, it, it was always cool. Like, I'd get to go, you know, I'd go over to go to the Johnsons, and they had a pool in their backyard and barbecue, and then Rick would show up. And it'd just be like, hey, Rick, you know, it was, right. well, you Rick, know. And, Rick Johnson not never wanting to do one of these podcasts with me. No? Very strange. Not one of these. That is very strange. Yeah. Very. He's good at talking about um, himself, but he didn't does not want to do one of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I think that. And uh, and so these guys, would you see these guys out practicing, like factory bikes and mechanics out at, in these tracks? Oh, yeah. It was back in the day when, yeah. you know, box fans and stuff, and we'd ride our bikes and hear someone, you know, riding. Uh-huh. Everybody had their own track. I mean, Mike Craig had Craig's. Bader Manet had Bader's. I mean, it, you know, it was just like, <laughs> it was crazy. Well, you want to ride it? Let's go up to Bader's. Okay, right. we'll go to Bader's. You know, it was like, all right, you know, let's go up to Craig's Supercross right. track. He had a he had a sweet supercross track like hidden in these in these trees oh like like built like natural or built for him like no he he actually had it built but uh-huh. it was like completely it was illegal i mean he craig was gnarly he would just rent a tractor and pay thousands of dollars to have someone go build a track but it was like on you know public land yeah yeah <laughs> so like You'd ride there two days, and then the sheriff would be there the next day, and it'd be like, "Oh man, this track's a bust." It'd be like, you know, thousands of dollars but, uh, gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he also had one track that he built underneath this cover of trees. So, like, even when the sheriff helicopter came to run us out or nothing, we just stopped riding, and that track was there for years, and it was good. It was a real good one. That's hilarious. And, and um, yeah. I think Glover or maybe Ronnie told me stories about how they would show up at the same track at the same place but they would never ride when the other was riding. Like it was like, <laughs> because you know, they're rivals, right? So you'd show up, you park way far away from, from Rick Johnson or Glover or whoever, and then they would ride and then they would stop and you'd go ride. It was like an unspoken sort of deal. Yeah, it was crazy. Or sometimes, you know, like some of my greatest memories, are like going to Palm Avenue. Like I went with uh, Craig to Palm Avenue one time and, uh-huh. and, and Larry and, I think uh, Larry Ward was out there. Like, this yeah. was back on the Nolene days. Like, you know, there's a lot of guys, and I just got a Team Green Kawasaki ride, and I was on 80s. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember Craig, like, calling me out in front of everyone, like, on this cliff jump, like, hey, this is Andy, you know, I've been training him. He's going to win, and he's uh-huh. fast. And watch this, Andy, do that cliff jump. And I'm like, dude, I'm not <laughs> doing that cliff jump. And every these big name riders are looking at me, and Craig would ride over to me and go, hey, put it in third and do the jump, or I'm not taking you home. And I was like, oh, man, like, uh-huh. I'm going to be stuck here yeah, almost yeah. in Mexico. <laughs> and ha- So I would just pin it and do it. And then, you know, but, uh-huh. I mean, he knew what I could do and couldn't do. So it wasn't like he was going to put me in danger. But yeah. um, um, would you say – fair? I've been to Palm Avenue a couple times. It's, it's definitely cool. To, to, I was there in, like, 89 or 90 when it was in its heyday. So it was kind of cool. Uh, Marty Smith took me, actually. Another guy that's on the phone. So. Yep. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Palm, Palm's funny. Like uh, in '99, Kelly there? Smith came out and was hanging out at you uh-huh. know KTM before they had the when he was like their only guy, and I took him there, and he refused to go back. It's funny. <laughs> Is it still there? So, do you think? I wonder. Uh, there's like a Coors Amphitheater, and there's like a Knott's Berry Farm, like water, oh, like park. It's it's been all developed, but gone. I mean, there's still bits and pieces of it. Gone. Palm Avenue. Gone. Um, yeah. That was like the first video too. The first free riding video ever was like Dirt Bike Magazine or something. Did you know RJ at Palm Avenue? So. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for listening to these podcasts. They wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for BTOSports.com as well as the other advertisers. So I appreciate if you just listen to this. 
deal with it, order some stuff from BTO, and then we'll get right back to the show. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike or body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped in anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at BTOsports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex feel gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. So growing up with these guys must have been pretty cool. Uh, would you say if you had to look back at motocross sort of stars that Mike Craig maybe did the least with the most talent? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he he, you know, he he had a lot of issues. Yeah, and stuff I think and, I think if, I think anybody that was ever around him or or around the sport in his heyday knew that that dude was like right. right. He was Lachine type natural talent i mean he just jumping he would just do jumping or like hill climbs or Mm -hmm. uh, he was just unbelievable but yeah Yeah. when you talk when you talk to guys like mcgrath or 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 any of these guys they tell you about mike craig and how yeah he He was i mean even going riding like in the hills and stuff just yeah i mean for sure he was one of you know one of those i was always pulling for him but i mean (laughs) (laughs) One of those deals, you know, and uh, and Lachine, you cross paths with Lachine a little bit, but maybe in more of his darker days. You know, I didn't see Lachine like as much. Yeah, like uh, I got a couple dogger stories from like because you know, like sixteen, fifteen is like right. You know, I was hanging with like kind of the older guys. I'd be at the jet ski races or something, mm-hmm. and Lachine would be partying, and you know, he'd just be having a good time. And I, and I remember seeing him in Havasu. I always like ran across him, but I never yeah. like actually hung out with him or knew right. of him. Like, you know, like in El Cajon, right. uh, he did, we, he lived up in, uh, uh, on shadow mountain, which was like our high school hangout spot. He lived at the end of this cul-de-sac and all the high school kids after the football game would go up there. So one time I was up there and he was threatening all the high school kids, you know, and I was like, dogger, it's Harrington. And he's like, I don't care who it is. Get out of here. Like, <laughs> Just, you know, I and thought then, I would smooth over the situation, and I, I he think. Didn't care, uh, but I think Ronnie told me too. Glover lived in a big house top of the hill. He was the king of El Cajon. <laughs> was that true? Yeah, yeah. Like Glover had this nice bitching house at the top of a hill. Yeah, he was like not not the same hill that Dogger lived on, but yeah, Dogger had a nice pad. Oh, oh did he? Uh, did, yeah, did he? yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, he had a nice pad. Um, so yourself, you you uh, you got a team green ride. You're racing. Um. Uh, and just uh, just trying to make a trying to make a go of it, huh? What were some of your amateur results, or did you get to go to to, to Loretta's and all that? Yeah, I maybe got like a like top ten at Loretta's, maybe like a tenth, or I think I got up on the stage one time to get a trophy. Like nothing, mm-hmm. 
nothing really good. But I, my whole racing career was like in like either on or off. There was no consistency. There was like no, mm-hmm. you know, I had either really good rides or they were really crappy. Like I, I could never figure it out. That's why I'm doing stunts now, not riding. But I, I, you know, I retired. But um, you know, like it was crazy. I uh, I rode Team Green, and uh, I went all the way through 125B for Team Green, mm-hmm. and then I was pretty much done. Um, I had a single mom, and I was a senior in high school, and I broke my arm real bad, and I was into hanging out, and I missed like all of '96 race year. Like '95, I rode for Team Green. The '96, I still had a Team Green ride, but I didn't do any of the amateur nationals or nothing. Right. Like I just kind of fell off the face of the earth. And then um, I met a guy uh, who owned a construction company in El Cajon. His name was Jeff Seifert and mm-hmm. his brother Jason. They owned a, a Seifert uh, JSP, like a plastering company, and started riding with those guys all the time. And he's like, "Man, you're really good. Let's let's go do some races." And you know, I was like, "Nah, I'm over it." Right. And then uh. It was just a weird deal. Like I, he he got into it big time, and he actually started the Motor World of El Cajon race team. He went to Motor World. Oh, really? Got with the oh, owners. Yeah. yeah, he was actually the guy that started that whole deal from scratch. He he went in there and give me some bikes. I got some kids, so you know we're gonna take them to some races. So right. In '97, uh, at the end of '96, I was gonna be Motor World's B rider for '97. I was gonna ride uh-huh. intermediate, and then. Um, this is back when you didn't have to really do anything to get your license to be a pro or anything. And uh, I was sitting in the stands at the 97 L.A. Coliseum, the first round, the mu- uh, the first one. I don't think the first one was muddy, but whatever. Uh-huh. The second one wasn't. And that guy looked at me and said, hey, you could do this. And I'm like, yeah, I could do it next year. And he's like, no, next weekend. <laughs> and I turned pro right there. Oh, really? Um, and I, yeah. rode, I rode the L.A. Coliseum the next weekend. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was insane. I wasn't supposed to do Supercross or nothing, but I didn't think he could get me my license or anything. He called the AMA, got me my number, 188, and he had me signed up by Tuesday. It was like, okay, all right, LA Coliseum. Yeah. And I never, I'd never ridden a Supercross track except for like Craig's practice track. And I just remember being in the tunnel and Craig walking up to me and going, okay, just make sure you're in third gear for the triple. And that's <laughs> the only instruction I had when I went out on the track. <laughs> so. It was great. I, that's one of my first pro races, LA Coliseum in '97, and yeah, and and you went from there. Um, of course, you know you also raced summer cross, which who can forget that? Yeah, yeah. I hear you talking about it all the time, and that's something we have in common. <laughs> you know, I know you won, but I did podium summer cross in the 125 class. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Um, uh, what was your best result ever in a 125 supercross? Uh, seventh. Seventh. How many times did you yeah, do that? I got, I got seventh uh, twice, I think, in Minneapolis one year, and I mm-hmm. think Indiana, Indianapolis, right, or right. ninth. But seventh was definitely my best in Minnesota, for sure. Um, talk about how the KTM ride came about. So, obviously, you're privateering it for a couple of years, and then uh, you know KTM comes in cross with their first ever factory team in 2000. And uh, talk about how you got that deal. It was uh, basically being an El Cajon kid, and at the time, KTM was in the heart of El Cajon. Um, and uh, I rode the Motor World team for 97 and 98 and 99, uh, and I had the seventh in 99. So I was, you know, doing decent um, for an El Cajon kid. And uh, I rode for Thor, and I know Cell went into Thor and, and told them that they needed a – he really wanted to get a, a, a local kid mm-hmm. to be on that team that could help, you know, if, what photos or whatever, you know, and – 
it, that's how it started. The guys from Thor called me and said, "Hey, you got to go talk to Cell," and mm-hmm. you know he was asking around. So I know at the at the at the Indy Supercross in '99, um, I went up to him and introduced myself, and he was like, "Yeah, I've heard about you. You know, come by." And so I started going by, and then I met Kelly, who was riding KTM's in '99, yep. and then he was coming out to El Cajon. So I would I was kind of like became really good close friends with Kelly and we'd start riding and then I was always picking them up at KTM. So I was just trying to, you know, I just right. kind of met those guys. And then, uh, that's basically how it happened. I mean, it was more of a, it wasn't like we got to get this guy because of his results. I think it was more of a local guy. They wanted to give me a chance and, mm-hmm. you know, um, so. and, uh, how much, how much was your contract for? Uh, what I, did, did you sign for? I had like a, I had this like, it was fun. I had like a thousand dollar a month salary, and then like three hundred and fifty dollar per diem per race, and then like some bonuses and stuff. But it was the first time I ever got to fly to races, or actually, I was going yeah. making money. Yeah. So yeah. it wasn't a big contract by any means. But yeah, you were. Uh, you know, it was the first time. You were national number ninety five too at this point. So yeah, I had a um, at Binghamton. I think we talked about it. You said that, you, that was the first time you saw me at Binghamton. I ran like fourth the whole moto. Mm-hmm. I was just on it that day, and I, I this is like one. And then I crashed. I actually ended up going up the hill over by this <laughs> where you come in the gate. I don't yeah. even know how I did it, but I ended up finishing the race with no front fender and no visor. <laughs> and I got I got my national number from one moto, but I I had it like two laps to go. Like uh, Ernesto had just passed me uh-huh. on his Yamaha Troy bike, and I had like two laps, and I was just I was stoked, and I just threw it away. But so I always had the speed. I just never. Yeah. Like I said. Yeah, and also too a lot of injuries. Yeah, a lot of injuries. I um. You didn't even make it. Did you? Did you make the start of the West Coast? You didn't with KTM. I don't think you got hurt. Right? Nope. Yep. I uh, I uh, I signed my deal with KTM, and then uh, actually, I don't know if you remember, but you were going to be my guy. We were going to be team. You were my mechanic for a um, couple weeks. Yeah, I was. Well, I remember I, I got the deal, and I was going to work for you, and then I was going to work for Keith Johnson, and then I ended up working for Kelly. Kelly's mechanic right. got fired. Yep. Um, and then I came back, and I worked for Kelly, and then I worked for Keith when he came back from injury. Then I worked for you for one race. That didn't that didn't, yep. that didn't go well. Mathis Harrington combo was not on point that day. Um, that was Harrington's, Harrington's I fault. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember being if I was going to be your full time guy or not, though. To be honest, maybe I was, but it was. It was definitely yeah, up in the so, air. Yeah. I remember walking in KTM one day, and you were there, and you were shaking his hand like just got your deal or something. And you walked out, and so I was like, hey, did you meet your new mechanic? I don't know if he was joking or not, oh, but yeah, I ended yeah. up getting hurt like the next day. So yeah. then they moved you over to Keith. and, and Keith. Then, yeah, I, was, then I took Keith out to the special riding spot, the Staben Ranch. Uh, it was oh, like, yeah. 18 hours away, it seemed like, and he broke both his wrists on like the fourth lap. Yeah. 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 So that was <laughs> great. That. And then I went back and said, uh, yeah, Harrington's hurt, and then now Keith Johnson's hurt, and, and then I start working for Kelly. It was very, very strange. Yep. But um, what did you do that year? Shoulder? Um, you always did a shoulder. I, <laughs> yeah, well, the first one was a shoulder. I tore my labrum in the shoulder testing out with Mullen. I crashed at Paris, and then so I had orthoscopic surgery. And then I was just young and dumb. I didn't have, you know, like, I didn't have guidance like – right. No one was like, hey, you, know, you need I, to do I, this rehab, you need to do that, or nothing. Yeah. Right. I was young, and they told me three months. And I never had, like, a soft tissue, like a like an injury like that. It was always bones. And, you know, when, when the doctor tells you three months with your wrist, 
you usually have your cast off in two months. Yeah. You know, it's just like yeah. you're trying to push it. And so I was, I was just too excited to be in a rig, and I was supposed to ride West Coast. And then um, we went out to Guy Cooper's. I tore my labrum testing with Moen, and then I was trying to ride through it. And then we went to Guy Cooper's to do like a photo shoot. And yeah, I was after, yeah. I was hired after that when you guys got back okay. to Cooper's. Yeah. Well, I was at Cooper's, and man, I I crashed super hard in the in the in the whoops, and then I knew my shoulder like fell, ended up flying me home yeah. early from that. Go have my surgery. So I had surgery, had orthoscopic. What doctor? They moved me to East Coast. My doctor told me three months, which would have put me like in the halfway of the East Coast, mm-hmm. and then. I jumped the gun, started riding, thought I could go, and then that's when we rode. We did Pontiac together, you and me, and uh, uh, um, yeah, and I think it was the day qualifier or the first heat race or something. I but think it was, I, I think it was the first heat race. I, I think we made it through the day qualifiers. We did. I got second in the day qualifier, and I remember being just stoked, like, okay, good. I right. you know, like that was what you know. I was worried about qualifying because that's just kind of where I was in my career. And I remember I got second in the day qualifier and in the first heat race, it was just kind of soft and ruddy. And I came around before the triple and it was just a little double before the triple. I, I, I hit a rut and it like clicked my bike up one gear and it bogged. And I just, I just ended, I didn't even crash, but it, it, yeah. it dislocated my same shoulder. And so I, I ditched the bike. I came walking up to you and you're like, what's up? And I point at my shoulder. You're like, yep. And so, yeah. Yeah, and and then did you, you don't you didn't do any nationals, did you? You were out the rest of the year. No, I did. Did you? I did. Oh, that's I right. We, yeah, we hired a mechanic <laughs> for you. I remember. No, 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 no. You didn't hire a mechanic. I had I had a different mechanic at every race. First, it was Rail Ravel, like yeah. the the. Yeah, and then it was like then the marketing guy, <laughs> and then like by this time, K Tim was over me. I think Cell might even have like uh, been my pseudo mechanic one time. Rod, Rod Bush, Rod I mean, Bush pitboarded for you. <laughs> Dude, um, every race. I finally went to South. I, I came back at Southwick, which was stupid. Right. And this was the story. I, own kid. This is the story. Freaking, never even ridden in the sand. I came back at Southwick. And, and that's the story I tell the people is that Southwick, we had five guys. You, Heath Johnson, Roderick <laughs> Thane, Kelly Smith. And help yeah. me out here. There had to have been somebody else. Uh, Roderick Thane, Keith Johnson, Kelly Smith. Yourself. Uh, we, we had yourself. to have had one more. I think we had five guys. Keith, Roderick, oh Shane King. Yeah, but besides King, I think we had five. Anyways, no one scored a point all day. And we were we were thirty through thirty five. <laughs> no one scored a point all day, either moto. And if you're a team, that's that's about as bad a day as you can have. And and, and you'll remember Kelly Smith didn't even qualify. That was the week after his win at High Point. Yeah, I could not. Yeah, he didn't even qualify. His, he got. Yeah, he got a foot peg in his spokes with Brandis's foot peg in his spokes in the heat, and then the LCQ he just got a bad start. And that was it. Yeah, I remember I was like the first qualifier back when they had the races, and the track was like smooth, and I like just pinned it in the qualifier and made it. And it was another one of those like I finished the race and I was so pumped. I put it in the show and I was like, right. yeah. And then the first moto came around. I'm not joking. Like three laps in, I was tapping out. I was like, <laughs> where's the white flag? <laughs> Like, I actually did kidney damage there. I was I could not stand up, and I was sitting down so much that it actually damned, like, it felt like I had to pee for two weeks, like, straight, and I couldn't pee. Like, so it messed me up. How many nationals did you do that year for KTM? My mind's I did, uh, I think I did, like, uh, what is there, 12, so I missed the first three. You, I came did, back at South, it was round four. So. Yeah, did you do the rest of them? Yep. 
Oh, okay. See, I don't remember that, Andy. I'm sorry. That's all right. There was nothing to be proud of. I scored one point at Unadilla. I got 20th in one moto. And that was it. And that was it. I just, I, uh, again, like I knew I lost my ride. I knew that I wasn't going to get to ride anymore, and I just wanted to go to the races. So I was trying to ride myself back into shape. And right. I moved out to Michigan and was living with Kelly, and I had I was having shoulder problems all, you know, because right. I just wasn't ready. I was, it was, just, it was a rough year. And then, uh, yeah. After that, so so okay, so you get you get canned from KTM. What do you do then? I uh, I got a Bob Ketchum. I met Bob Ketchum through Keith Johnson at the uh, I uh, at the uh, U.S. Open. That was my last race. Was the U.S. Open for KTM? I rode the four stroke Supercross. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> US Open. Yeah, little old me riding the big old KTM. And uh, I met Bob Ketchum, and he got me bikes, and Yamaha gave me some parts, and I, I privateered it for the next West Coast. And uh, and then uh, we actually we hung out a lot that year. Or not, that was pretty much the whole Supercross series, because I wasn't top 10 in points, and you could go back and forth then. And so I hooked up with you and Kelly Smith and did, like, four of the Supercrossers. We did, like, Atlanta. Yeah, Daytona. Daytona. We rented a van. Remember, we rented a van, and we did, like, a little – we drove to all the New Orleans. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. And you were on a Yamaha? We were, on, were you on Yamaha? You were on a Yamaha then? Yeah. I was on a Yamaha. Yeah. Yep. I was number 125. Um, and, uh, good times. Uh, and people don't, yeah. people also, too, they may remember you from when your bike lit on fire at Phoenix. Yeah. That was an 01. And, I crashed and a bike hit the concrete. And I've never seen a bike like in flames, but it happened. Never foreseen. I've never seen it before. I've never seen it since. Yeah. Why is he 125 on fire? Yeah, I, uh, I just lost it coming out of a bull turn, or I kind of got pushed high, and I let go of the bike off the next jump, and it, it skipped off the concrete. And as it was sliding, the fuel was coming out of the yeah. overflow, and somehow that ignited, and it was like a cartoon. Like, I'm walking over to my bike, and I saw a little flame on the ground. I was yeah. like, whoa, like, yeah. is that like a firework from the <laughs> opening ceremonies, or what is that? And then it just went straight over to my bike, and then just poof. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Uh, so your, Hey, your last race, Salt Lake city. Did you know it was your last race? I mean, yeah, I broke my tib and fib, uh, at the start of the main, I made the main and I went around the first turn and I crashed and, uh, I, I really, I broke my right tib and fib really, really bad. It like put my, uh, tibia through my ankle. It was really, really disgusting break. And I actually, that was it. I called it right there on the track. Did you like, really? It wasn't huh? like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just to myself. I was just like, right. that's it. Like, I can't do it no more, and mm-hmm. that was it. Uh, are you happy with everything that happened? I mean, you put your body through a ton of injuries and, and problems, and, and you took a shot at it. You know, you had a factory ride. Uh, you know, we laugh about it, but you had a ride, and and, uh, and you got you did something that probably, you know, uh, a lot of people never have done. So are you happy? Are you content with what happened? Uh, absolutely, man. Like, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like, I, I don't consider it a failure. I mean, I know that I didn't get results that I wanted, but man, like to live that life and to, to get to go on the road and, you know, to be young and to grow up that way was just, right. uh, it was insane, you know, and, and the, the friendships that I made and, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing to this day if it wasn't for yeah my time racing. So I'm, I'm, com- I'm completely content. I mean, I always look back and go like, man, you know, like at Binghamton, I was running in the top five, like, right. You know, there was, there was nothing better for me, like, 
growing up in Oklahoma, looking up to all these guys, and being in Binghamton, having, you know, Brooks was there, and he was, like, out on the track, like, every lap I'd come around. Right. You know, and that, it just, it, those feel-good moments just, mm-hmm. you know, of course I wish I would have had the results that I knew I, I was capable of doing, but, you know, yeah. it's probably just riding over my head, and, <laughs> but, again, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I went from a 125B rider to a factory rider, and, and not, not like a Tony Dungy, not, I mean, not, Tony. Not like a Ryan Dungey B rider to factory ride. I mean, I was like a, yeah, you know, a kid in the stands watching a Supercross to a factory rider in you know two three years. Yeah, you know, and I know a lot of people say, well, it wasn't real factory ride. It was KTM in their first year, but whatever. My checks came from Austria, so yeah, no, hey, it was full deal. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so and, and you know, to get to where you are now, like you said, you had to go through what you did, and and it's the same with me. To get to where I am now, I had to be a mechanic and sleep on floors, literally sleep on floors at FMF Honda days. And, you know, and then it, it, I had to do all that to get to where I am now. So, it, you know, yeah. it's, it's just one of those things. You don't realize it at the time, but you're like, wow, I did a lot of sacrifices and I, I, I did all this stuff. And because of all that is where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trade, you know, you look back on it, you're like, man, that was kind of a, a waste or I hope I'm not going to be hurting when i'm 50 but mm-hmm. still wouldn't yeah trade any of it you know I, do the that's good do the stunt guys you work with do they know you race pro and, and super crosses and all that are they into it do they know about it um it's you know they they do i mean i'm i use what i did as all my resume and stuff but i don't you know i don't put a big emphasis on it right. i gotta i gotta give a lot of credit to like castillo i mean man he he's really like you know, and other guys too, like Jimmy Roberts and Oakley and Clay Cohen. A lot of these guys that are hardcore moto guys in the stunt industry, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at me, I'm five foot eight, 140 pounds. I'm not that big or tough or, you know, but I always hear stories like when I walk away, like, you know, those guys always go to bat for me. So it's just like anything else, you know, right, then, right. then I get on the bike and, you know, I, I get the job done. But um, nobody really goes like, oh, Andy Harrington, like, I remember you, you know, it's like, well, Chances are you were getting your beer at the last chance qualifier when I did my best work, you know, like I was in the main, but it was because I got, you know, I won the last chance or got second or, you know, I was at the tail end. So, I mean, I, and I, and I joke around that, you know, I think that's part of my good thing with the movie stuff. People like me is I I joke like that all the time. Someone will be like, you wrote Supercross? And I'll be like, yeah, but you're probably getting beer when I was doing my work or yeah, if you got yeah. there real early and saw some of the day qualifiers. I mean, if they kept points for that, I would have probably done, you know, yeah. decent. And you still got a lot of friends in moto. You still, uh, still, yeah. talk, still talk to all those guys. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, like when I went to the, you know, walk through the new Orleans supercross just there for a little bit is, you know, I run into like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, you, it's kind of like a time warp. You kind of, I mean, it's all bigger <laughs> and better and but right. you still see the same, a lot of the same people. And yeah, you know, so it's. I still try to keep in touch as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and maybe you're maybe you'll make enough money to expand that that tramp stamp tattoo you have. One of these <laughs> days, maybe you can make it into a bigger think, bigger mural. Dave really likes that. It, Dave Dave's a big fan. Yeah that that is a that was a U.S. Open '98 or something, just right off the wall in Vegas. True story. <laughs> True story. And, and then just Dave. And you were telling me stories that Dave lets other people know on the movie sets that you have one. Oh, he'll do it. It's 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 uh it's almost gotten me more work than my talent. Like no joke, <laughs> my my lame tattoo. Like and and Dave knows that and he exploits it, but right. like in a good way. Like I'll be sitting, 
like uh, Rachel Wise. I don't know if you know who she is. But she's like in The Mummy. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, she's a really uh, big actress. Well, she's in Born, and she's on the back of the bike while I rode, like, yeah. a couple yeah. scenes. And uh, I'm sitting there, and Dave will just walk up casually and be like, hey, Rachel, like, big actress. And yeah. we don't ever, hey, Jeremy, you know, you never really do that. And she'll, like, look at him, like, what's up? He's like, hey, so you know the guy riding his bike has a sweet tramp stamp? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my, you know, it'll just be, like, instant embarrassment. Right. But he's like, really, he does. Watch, hey, Reed, show him. And I'll be like, Dave, stop, you know. And he's like an older brother. And yeah. it ended up, ends up being hilarious. I mean, like, on Born, he did it with uh, Renner, and then, like, no joke, Renner came to set one day with uh, 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 Black, he called it the Reed around. <laughs> and uh, he came to set with, like, a half shirt on with the Reed around on his back. Like, he had oh, no. actually put it on there. So it was, yeah. it's for, it makes for good laughs, too. You'll see him in the Avengers uh, next week, one of the probably the biggest movies of the year. So, pretty Yeah, cool. he's blowing up, man. He's And he was a good guy. He was fun. He, yeah. was, he was a good time. Uh, well, hey, man, thanks uh, thanks for doing the BTOsports.com RacerX uh, podcast show. Very interesting guy, uh, great stories, and uh, and uh, always, uh, I think, people don't realize, you know, where'd that Andy Harrington guy go? Well, now they know. So, Yeah, still alive and kicking. And you're still following <laughs> the sport, right? You're still watching it? You're at New Orleans, still onto it? Still... Yep, I even uh, I even got there for a while. Got hooked on going onto the message boards and getting told I was an idiot. I never knew what I'm talking about. So, oh man, I still live. I still live and eat, breathe motocross. I mean, I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. I still ride for fun, and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a good. It's uh, yeah. It's a, well, I guess I guess it's an addiction. Once it's in your blood, it's it's, it. you'll never lose it. No, for sure, man. And and I'd say, hey, l- let us know what you're doing next. But as you said, you're unemployed right now. So <laughs> yeah, I'm unemployed right now, but uh, hopefully that'll change if shortly. I, if I need some, <laughs> if I need to hire somebody to throw through a window, though, I will. I will look you up. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. All right, uh, Regis. Thank you again for doing the podcast, man. Uh, good luck with everything, and uh, let's keep in touch. Uh, we got our phone number, so um, yeah, let's keep in touch, man. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Talk All to you later. See ya. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200 episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.